December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. It's history. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The events. The figures. Not quite to the noise, man. From this time and place. I take pride in the words. Ich bin ein Violiner. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The drama. I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not they're the presidents of questions. Well, I'm not a crook. If we dig deep in our history and our doctrine and remember that we are not descended from fearful men. It's hardcore history. I, I always try to think about what people 500 years from now are going to say about the time period we're living in. I think I'd love to take the time machine and, and go into the future and read the history books about now. I think yeah. that'd be very intriguing. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America Show. We're going to be chatting with Dan Carlin, Mr. Hardcore History himself, uh, a little bit later. Uh, but first, the uh, somewhat less grumpy Graham Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Darren. I'm doing a little bit better. I see you have your noble steed back. My PC. <laughs> your PC computer? Yeah, man. Um, but I... So all's well? Well, not... No, it's not well. It's getting there. Slowly piecing your life back together? Yeah. There's little settings in there that you just can't get back and it's very frustrating i'm ready to switch to a mac next time i'm going to a mac seriously yeah well, that's yeah, good uh, yeah it's just too there's just too much of a hassle joey made, joey made the leap what six months ago oh really yeah would you ever go back no. How, did no. it take you did it take you a while to get used to it okay cool see there you have it a little bit but not bad yeah i think i could get used to it right away too but then I can just sync my Apple TV, my iPhone, my Mac. Everything will be all sunk. Yeah, sunk. sunk. That's sunk. not how it goes. That is not the... That's not the... Uh, <laughs> Synced? Maybe. Syncated? Oh, so did you mention we have Dan Carlin on this episode? I did. Did you? Yeah. Oh, sorry, buddy. I was that's fine. Digging up stuff. No, listen. What are you digging up? Boogers? Right. UFO quotes. Oh. Did you say hookers or boogers? Boogers. Oh. Uh, so um, Dan's one of the podfathers, I would say. He's been doing this for so long, and I, right when I first listened to podcasts, he was uh, one of the first ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was actually got an email from the podfather today. Really? Yeah. The actual podfather? Yeah. Adam Curry? Yeah. Really? Said, LOL, gotcha. And then. Was it spam? No. Was it a newsletter? No. It was a reply. Real email? It was a reply. You made him LOL? Yeah. Wow. Are you going to tell me what you said in it? Uh, it had to do with the terrorist attack in Canada and 
blah, 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 blah. Right. I don't think we really need to get into it here. Well, it's kind of we pertinent can. to the common sense show that Dan Carlin does, talking about you know all the propaganda and the government corruption and the political atmosphere right now. Yeah, yeah, I was talking, well, because they played a clip from the hockey game, right? And they that were all talking about this oh, yeah. and that, and everyone's going ballistic, and, and John C. Dvorak's talking about it. He's like, oh, yeah, you can he listen to the crowd. He's like, they're just eating it up. He's like, it's crazy. He's like, they're all in. And I, emailed, and I was like, well, it's fucking Saturday night at a hockey game. Like, fucking, <laughs> you could be saying up there saying fucking anything, and everyone's fucking all in. And they're going to be, you go put your hands up, and they go nuts. So I was like, I, I know people, I know people that the average person I know was more pissed off that the, the attack postponed the hockey game and it fucked up their fantasy lineup. than we're pissed off about the terrorist attack. Was it even, is it even really a terrorist attack? I don't know. They're sure playing it off as one. It almost seems like a shitty Canadian false flag attack, right? Like in America, they fly a couple planes into buildings in Canada. They just shoot one fucking soldier with a 30, 30. But they're they're blaming it on ISIS. They're both blaming them both on ISIS. Who's both? Like the U.S. and us? No, there was some guy in fucking some white kid in fucking Quebec ran down a couple soldiers the other day. Oh, oh, oh! Both of those are getting blamed on ISIS. Yeah, or ISIL. Or... Right. So this is what I was going to ask you about since we have this episode with Dan. Then I heard the up. Putin speech today, which was fucking crazy. The one that's translated that? to English. Yeah. Yeah. I only heard, I got to dig the whole thing up. Yeah, I want to listen good. to the whole thing. Really? But uh, I don't know. It was on no agenda. They were playing a bunch of clips from it. Yeah. And it's fucking, sounds like this guy is fucking a lot smarter than a lot of people give him credit oh, for. Yeah, it's yeah, like fucking, course. he just blows you away. But even when you look on the line, it's like. Uh, on the line? On the line. <laughs> you fucking see all the pictures of him. Like fucking, he was up in that special glider helping the fucking geese migrate. And he's fucking always doing <laughs> shit to conserve nature. And he just seems like a way cooler guy than the fucking Stephen Harper or Barack Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Cool with the F-bombs a little bit, buddy. He was training, uh, fuck you. <laughs> he was, would he, some do, he's into like raptors and shit too. The bird? Crazy birds. Yeah. Or the basketball team. Probably both. He's probably a big Raptors <laughs> fan. So, speaking of that, this is this is what I'm talking about, right? This is what I was going to ask you guys. How how can you, like, I don't think Dan Carlin will stay with the political side too much because hardcore history is too good, right? But he he talks about all the the politics and he's in, in you know he's not like for the left wing or the right wing or anything like that. But how can you sift through all the crap when you look at all the all the bullshit that's out there, right? You're, you're hearing different views from Putin and there's, you know, all these events that are happening are just blown out of proportion. You know, did you hear about the, the fake grenade video that, that the guys on No Agenda were talking about too? Oh, yeah. Like, how yeah. do you, so what do you, what do you, how do you know you can believe anything? If, if a few of these things are proven, or at least let's, let's assume for this conversation that they're proven to be complete farce, right? How can you believe anything? After that. So, I don't know, man. What's going to happen? If you're not there, then you don't know. If you're not there? Well, yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know, man. Where it, things seem to be just escalating and things just seem to be coming to a point where there's more and more 
pushback, and yet there's also more and more fear porn go out there to just and and people are fall. I know people personally that are just completely falling into the the fear porn aspect of it. Oh yeah, we know people personally. <laughs> We're trying to hit some people in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, you see a lot of people even on Facebook. I don't Facebook, but occasionally I'll go on there and like leaf through what people are saying because I do follow. Mostly my friends and my family, so I can see little odds and ends. I started following a couple groups, too, which is a big fucking mistake. Because then they started, every time someone posted something in the group, it was fucking emailing me, and I had just got all my settings so that it didn't fucking post, email me every time someone mentioned me on Facebook or tagged me or whatever the fuck it is you do. It would send me an email, so I'm getting like 10 emails a day from Facebook that I don't give a shit about. Really? So, so how I do you finally, set yourself I finally up? managed to shut that shit off, and then I, I was Facebooking more. I can't remember why. But um, you were Facebooking more? What does that I mean? I found myself it's just a, going on Facebook it's a verb? more and looking. I still haven't really fa- actually typed anything. I think it was because <laughs> I found Facebook's been more and more powerful for tracking down people who, if I can't get their email address, right. they're all on fucking Facebook. So then I started following, you can join these groups so that you can like, you can be in the ancient aliens group or the, the other one's some conspiracy group. But now I didn't realize that now every time someone posts something in that group, it fucking emails me. Are you doing this on behalf of Grime Erica or Darren Grimes? Well, it's all the same, buddy. No, cause I... Can you can you connect uh, as a as a Grimerica page as a Facebook page, right? Oh, that's just me. You can't like I can't message people who aren't following or f- liking, liking Grimerica. Like Grimerica. Right. Not many people don't like us, but they just don't know that they like us yet. That's the problem. <laughs> so like us on Facebook. Because you remember, I was trying to track down those like I. Here's the thing. I'm not on Facebook, and I can see those friends that I want to get a hold of from like when I was traveling 20 years ago, and I can't get a hold of them. I can see them there in the profile, but I need to use somebody else's Facebook to try and get a hold of them, or just bite the bullet and start up my own. Yeah. Not. Whatever. That's what you said about a Mac a few years ago. A few days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Took me two years to switch you. So maybe in two years you'll be on Facebook. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I'm past no, that it's point. Not great. It's I think not I'm past the point where I, I'm going to do it, even though it's tempting sometimes because of how connected everybody is. Yeah, it's really like like I say, I don't use it. I'm at Facebook. Sometimes I'll look at it, look at posts. I don't like. Sometimes I like stuff. Once in a while, I like stuff because it's easy. There's a little button there that says like. I feel like it acknowledges that I read it and I care and I like stuff. Really. And uh, that's what it. I might have commented on some stuff before. But I'm not big on interacting. I've never Facebooked anything. I've never wrote anything in my status in two years. Yeah, I noticed some good comments on our on our Gramerica one. Actually, I found it through searching for somebody else, and Gramerica came up, and I found some good comments on there that I wouldn't have seen unless I would have checked out Facebook. So I probably need to keep a better eye on that myself. Yeah, where you have access to our page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you could actually just look at the page from an administrator's <laughs> point of view and all that shit would be there. That's the beauty about having a podcast. You just have access to our Facebook page and all that shit. Just got to ask. 
I got it, man. Didn't I, I give don't... you the Facebook info before? Uh, it's all gone. My computer went down. I had to reload Windows. Everything's like that's gone, right? All the like auto saved passwords. Yeah. You mean, oh, yeah. Everything. Gone. I have to refigure out everything. Every little <laughs> step along the way, I have to refigure it out. You know, fucking. Even, even my volume even, buttons don't work. Even on my ten, laptop. Even my ten volume years ago, don't you work. just had to remember those passwords. You couldn't count on autofill. But you now you have a fucking million of them. Like seriously, you have to keep them somewhere, right? In your head. Well, no, buddy. Come on. I, my passwords aren't. They're not in your head. I keep them on autofill. I hit autofill sometimes just because it's easier, but I know them all. Sometimes I get them mixed up, but there's oh, only yeah. there's only a rotation of like four or five, so I can fucking, and they're all like variations of the same thing. Oh, so that's smart. Just, that's you just giving up the whole thing. <laughs> With different numbers in different sequences. Anyways, we want to thank everybody for uh, for contributing to the show and helping us out. We're going to be doing a money bomb, uh, a little fifty fifty draw. When's that coming up? On Friday, the day this comes out. Well, this probably won't come out on Friday. Okay, so we're going to do it on for the next show. We'll do it before the next show, and it'll be on the next episode that yeah, we're Yeah, by the next episodes, we'll have already given away the money and possibly have lined up uh, a, a, a listener. Right, right. Then we'll just talk about it in that show. So we have this episode coming out, and then the Paradigm uh, wrap-up. Yes. All right. And, yeah. So that'll be... They'll probably both come out pretty quick, and that'll be it for October. And yeah. that's it for our back content, too. After this episode with Carlin, we're back on, on track. Back where we wanted to be for a while there. We just had fucking so Dude. many episodes, and I don't know how that happened. We yeah, I think we started been, double we started booking. We did a few booking, double double nights. Trying to sneak in people when they could, and the yeah. next thing you know, you got fucking 10 interviews. And yeah. So anyways, we want to thank people for helping support the show because it does cost us money here and it's it's a kind of a growing, a slowly growing expense with the bandwidth, the new website and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you guys want to contribute, you can go to the, the Money Bomb page on the website, greatamerica.ca, and you can sign up for uh, a subscription of five bucks a month and it gets you an email address. Darren will give you a Greatamerica email address or you can just donate whatever you want. And uh, every month or when we get to a certain amount, we gift back uh, half of that to somebody yeah yeah it seems to work pretty good we like uh, the value for value model seems to work it's been actually it's been accelerating lately so uh, it's good to see if you just kind of stick with it you don't have to charge people for content you can just you know the few people that can't afford to support the show will uh, kind of float the way for the people who can't afford it i really want to stick so with this for model everyone. for a bit right no ads no no um no uh, paid extra service, that type of thing. Just just freely donate to the show, and hopefully it'll work that way. Well, then we should take the fucking... We should go full bore and fucking get rid of the Amazon portal. Yeah, let's do it. Because I think we've only made like 25 bucks. We have $25 in an Amazon.com fucking account, and to ship anything from the .com to Canada costs like $30. Really? And I fucking emailed him about... I was like, well, I'm in Canada, so can we just swap this into the Canadian stores so we can get, like, pop filters no or something? And they're like, oh, no, you can only get it at the .com. Mm. So we should just say fuck it anyway. Sure. It's not really. But we're not selling it. it, and we might as well get rid of it. Yeah. And then we can say we're 100% uh, free of any, even the website would be free of anything. Any. Uh, Advertisements of any. Any sponsorship whatsoever. whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. 100% listener supported. 
Mm. The way of the future, buddy. Can we get Voice Dream to sponsor us? No. You know what that is? Yes. <laughs> you're fucking creepy. You're like fucking three iPhone fucking... Like when iPhone 9 comes out, you're the dude from her. You're fucking Joaquin Phoenix fucking your phone. Joaquin. Joaquin, Joaquin, whatever the fuck you want to call him. You're that guy. I could see it already. Just because yeah, I... just fucking holes up in his fucking apartment <laughs> for weeks on end. Takes his holidays, doesn't go anywhere. Or he's out, he's just got his phone in his pocket talking to it. He gets to pick her voice. Or his voice. Usually it switches back from the UK to the US. I don't have a Canadian accent yet. A? They just throw in a couple <laughs> A's? No, what we're talking about is this app where you can read PDFs and read Word documents and stuff. And uh, it sounds really good, actually. So you just, it's like the, it's like the Siri auto speak type thing, but it's way better. I listened to that whole book, Rick Strassman's whole book with that. And with it fucking reading the review the, yeah. copy only and the date and every the time page, on yeah, every page, yeah, I, that, could, that I couldn't do it. Yeah. I got like, I couldn't handle the voice either. I, I bought, I bought, I can't remember which one I bought, but it was fucking terrible. It was, seemed cool at first. And then like two paragraphs later, I was like, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dollar I'll never see again. Yeah. Well, that's why you got to spend 10 bucks, get the good one. 10 bucks? You spent 10 bucks on a voice? Plus I paid for extra voices. <laughs> I paid right. for... Tracy and Donna or something like that. Any dudes in there? Any, yeah. The, any yeah, dudes but, in your stable? Yeah. <clears throat> There's a free dude in there, I think. There's some... <laughs> comes with a dude? <laughs> Isn't there, like, some, <laughs> some stuff you just want getting read to you by a dude? <laughs> I'm going to play... Uh, I might play a little... A little uh, version for you here. It's fucking going to be so shitty. See, he's, a, he's like fucking her guy. He likes that computerized fucking thing. It turns him on. And come here further pushing the idea that we need to start changing the way we are doing things here. Perhaps one day soon we look will find out. Look at the look out. on his face. He just eats that shit out. I definitely believe that a good chunk of these UFOs are of extraterrestrial origin. I also believe that many of these crafts are odds. You know you can speed up and slow down the words per minute? Yeah, I've got it set at, like, special. Like, 115, I think. So it takes you exactly fucking 73 seconds. That sounds pretty good, though, eh? Like, this is the new... Like, how close is it to a real voice? Like, it's got the inflection and the speed. It changes the tone and everything, the cadence. Three or four iPhone generations. Away from real voice? Yeah. And you're up and serial flirt with you and just make you feel like the king of the earth. Yeah. Siri, yes, Siri buys shit, buys you new clothes because she thinks you look like shit because you can see out of the camera. <laughs> Actually, you know, she's self-aware. Amazon shipments show up at your door. You look better in red. <laughs> she turns out to be crazy girlfriend, Siri. Fucking locks you up. Stage fucking five. locks the doors to your car. <laughs> Siri's a stage five clinger. What's up? Hey, thanks, buddy. That's the time for the profound UFO quote of the week. Tis. I've I've picked three tiny, tiny ones for Dan Carlin. Three? What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, no, no, they're little, little ones. You got to the end of the jingle. 
I'm not at liberty to liberty. Liberally? To, yeah. What does liberty. it say? What does it say? Liberty. Uh, I just mispronounced it. I'm not at liberty to discuss government's knowledge of extraterrestrial UFOs at this time. I'm still personally being briefed on the subject. That was from Richard M. Nixon. President Richard M. Nixon. Can you turn that down a bit? It's fine. I can assure you the flying saucers, given that they exist, are not constructed by any power on Earth. That's from President Harry S. Truman at a press conference in Washington, D.C., April 4th, 1950. And this is to carry on that little vein. While working under President Eisenhower, I discovered that Eisenhower had a keen interest in UFOs, but that he came to realize that he had lost control of the subject. That's from Brigadier General Stephen Lovekin. Now, that's just three presidential-type quotes. That's not even including Carter or Reagan, who had their own sighting. So, just a little bit of political UFO stuff. If you're interested in more, you can go to... Uh, presidentialufo.com that's Grant Cameron's website awesome all about the US presidents and UFOs yep there you have it presidents love UFOs what about Obama Obama mama has he seen a UFO I don't know you should email him and ask him (laughs) Clinton just eats UFO shit up man he loves it yeah yeah I don't think so you don't think Obama seen a UFO no I don't think so when he was on the ganja Obama on the ganja? Yeah. Haven't you seen that picture of him? When he, back when he was Barry? Pretty sure Obama like openly admitted to smoking dough. Oh, really? He said, yeah, and held. That was the point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was back when, that was like when he first came out too and it seemed like he was going to be so cool, but no, just another dick. They're all the fucking same. Since when? Who do you think the last real president was? There isn't. There isn't. Uh, ever? Well, I wouldn't say ever, but for the last. What about GW? Oh, fuck. Come on, buddy. Really? George Washington? Goes back to the 40, I think the mid 40s. When Roswell happened, really? Mid 40s and shit? That's FDR, buddy. World War Two. Yeah, before that. Way before that. Yeah. 1800s? I don't know, man. Lincoln. I don't know. Lincoln. Have you ever have you ever heard the did you hear that on Mysterious Universe the, the differences between uh or the similarities between Lincoln and Ford Ford? Uh, I can't no, remember. No, was it Lincoln and Kennedy? Yeah, it was Lincoln and Kennedy. All the like similarities between where they were shot, how they were shot, why they were shot, all that stuff. Was it Lincoln crazy. shot in the fucking back of the head with a pistol? He was shot in a Ford, and Ford was shot in a Lincoln or something like that. Or Kennedy he was, was shot, shot in a Lincoln. Ford or... Theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Kennedy was shot in a Ford vehicle. In a Lincoln car? Yeah. Oh, in a Lincoln. Yeah, that yeah. makes more sense. So there you have it. It's a fucking weird Illuminati conspiracy, and they love Fords and Lincolns. And Subarus. Where did Ford get shot? And Mercury's and Subarus. Do you remember that song? And you don't stop. You keep on eating cars. What? No, I don't remember that song. You don't? No. Blondie? Rapture? Blondie? No. Sorry, back to the 80s. You weren't born yet. Blondie. That seems, was it a... I'll have to find a mix of that on SoundCloud for you to put in this episode. A mixtape? Your old mixtape? 
Are you recorded off the radio? Yeah, I used to have those. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Did you give them to the chicks? Yeah, sometimes. And they meant more because you had sat around all day waiting for the songs. Yeah. Is that how it worked? You like to sit around and like, oh, or did you like record no, the whole you, radio? No, you fast forward. You fast forward. Oh well, both, both. Yeah. No, you'd sit around waiting, yeah, and then you'd hit the record button really quick. Oh, here it comes. They'd warn you that a song was coming on, right? That was back in the days where they'd tell you what was coming up. Instead of just playing like five songs in a row. Yeah. Or they'd say, here comes this, 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 and here comes this, yeah. this, this, and Blondie. Yeah. And Graham gets his fucking little tape recorder out. Away you go. Yeah. You got her, buddy. I remember when I was a kid, I had like a little stereo and we figured out it had a mic on it and you could record and we were making our own little radio shows in my basement. No. Here we are (laughs) making our own little radio shows in my basement. (laughs) (laughs) 20 years later? 20 years later. Maybe 20 years. More than that. More than I hope so. 25. No, probably about 20. Three, twenty-four. Yeah. Probably I was like eight or nine or ten, maybe. That's pretty funny. How much changes? That's right. So the um, other one was probably better, funnier. Probably. Too, he didn't have those tapes anymore. Eh? You could uh, listen back. I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine. You got any spam? Anything jingle worthy? Are you going to eat some spam? Uh, not tonight. I'm not, but I will. I, Why not? Just I told you I would. Just get it over with. No, 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 no. I can't. We could just hammer uh, down some spam right now. Gitmo says it's good. My uncle sent me. Thanks, Uncle Dave, for that little can of spam pick too. He's of him eating picks, spam. No, just a pick of spam in the can. I saw it in the grocery store the other day too. So we have it here. It's not like it's. Oh yeah, you have it everywhere. They sell this <laughs> shit by the fucking truckload, buddy. <laughs> This is ham. It's like tuna. Do you like tuna? Yeah. Out of can? With mayo. With lots of mayo. Is that gross? Yeah, without mayo it's gross. What about mustard and ham? No. No, it's just, let's just eat it. You want to do it right now? We could. No, I don't think so. No, we should just, uh, we should plan it out a little bit better. I feel it's a little too spontaneous to crack open the spam and eat it out of the Okay, jar. we'll do it next week. Okay. Next Let's week, do it on the, with the money bomb guy. We'll eat spam with the yeah. money bomb guy? Yeah. Okay. Not with him, but same episode. In front of him? So uh, we're going to have all our uh, updated uh, schedule coming up on the backstage part of the website. So go to grandamerica.ca, click on, no, what is it called? Backstage? Backstage. backstage yeah. And uh, we've already got uh, two or three on there, and we're going to keep that up to date as soon as we know, uh, well, as soon as we're comfortable with booking... Uh, Putting a guest on there that we've booked, it'll it'll be there, ready to go. Yeah, I forget who the next couple are. We got who do we got? November? Oh yeah, Laird Scranton. We got yeah. uh, I think Sully. I want to say November fifth, and we got Sully back. Uh, Robert Sullivan the fourth. Cinema um, symbolism. Yeah, that's I think the eighteenth. I want to say, and you just booked someone too today, or twenty fifth? Yeah, view and shit. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to get uh, Paul Elder. He's uh, He's got his own Monroe Institute um, institution kind of thing <clears throat> on Vancouver Island. He does remote viewing training and all the like, uh, hemi-sync should, stuff. Should, are you going to go? Get your sure. remote viewing ticket? No, I don't want to. I don't, I don't have any desire to remote view. I just want to leave my body without the viewing part. Just, you just want to leave your body blind? 
flying around no eyes careful what you, you know what i mean i don't i don't need to do the like try and view something thing i just want to oh well that could be a good stepping stone uh and just when you're halfway to what you're going to look at just say ah fuck it yeah head left instead of right i think that should about wrap it up i don't think we need to uh pump down carlin's uh tires too much i'm sure most anyone who's listened to podcasts has heard his name before yeah hardcore history and common sense i prefer the hardcore history so that new episode should be fucking coming out too didn't he say october november uh yeah i think so i've been watching for that it's almost november we're literally in october november phase seems so long ago when he said it too but anyway uh enjoy the interview guys and we'll uh we'll see you when we're done Tonight in Grimerica, we are, we're lucky to have Mr. Dan Carlin of Hardcore History. Um, what's the political one called? Common Sense. Common Sense. Yeah, I'm not a big political guy, but I, I'm a huge fan of Hardcore History. Uh, so we're real excited to have him on. But first, uh, my main man, Graham, how's it going, buddy? Hey, man, I'm doing pretty good after a drive back from Vancouver yesterday. Beautiful Fun drive times, through the mountains. 12 hour. It's like a marathon. Yeah, about 11 hours. But enough of my my shit here. We've got Dan Carlin with us, and Dan, I would like to consider him a pioneer of podcasting. I've been listening to him since I found out about podcasting about seven years ago. Um, his Common Sense show was the one that kind of grabbed me, and then I, I listened to a little bit of Hardcore History. But his Common Sense is like an independent take on, on the political scene, mainly in the States, and Hardcore History is like fantastic stories of history like you've never heard it before so it's really a, a pleasure to have you on the show dan welcome to grime america well, i appreciate you guys having me on thanks a lot so you've probably you know you probably talked about your own shows quite a bit here but for people that don't know you which there probably isn't uh, a lot of them listening out there but uh, could you just quickly wrap up your your common sense and your hardcore history shows for everybody I think you described them pretty well. The Common Sense <laughs> Show, the Common Sense Show, we've been doing since 2005. Um, which you know, I can't believe how quickly it's all gone and how long ago that actually is when I add up the years. But that's um, I, I used to do uh, talk radio here in the states, and it was uh, you know politics and current events. And so the Common Sense Show is a little like that. And I suppose if there's anything different about it than what people would hear on the radio, it's that I'm a bit of a Martian, and so in that sense. Uh, it's a little bit different because I have a different point of view. And then the Hardcore History Show, 
Yeah, there's no good description for that. It's uh, <laughs> we we kind of take some events from history and we look at them from a bunch of different viewpoints. Throw in some primary sources, some Twilight Zone uh, kind of um, twists, we call them, and hopefully bring in a little of the drama of some of those events. Yeah, man, that's a great way to learn too. Like, I I was never a history fan in school. I just didn't really get it. I I didn't really appreciate it. And then I started learning stuff on podcasting and I heard a few of your history shows. Like I listened to your first, probably your first 50, 50 history ones. Um, but I've, I've made it through all the common sense ones over the years, but I learned a lot about, about history. I actually got my interest peaked about, uh, about that. Darren's a big fan of the history. I'm really actually impressed. You've heard that many programs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're one of the best out there, right? It's uh, it's great to have you on to talk about it because, um, I also remember emailing you years ago and uh, realizing at, at this point, too, like, you know, you can actually communicate with these people in this new media, too. Like, they'll actually answer you back and, and you can suggest topics and answer questions. So it was pretty cool, like six, seven years ago, realizing that uh, this is going to be a new form of communication and you actually have a personalized, personalized touch to it. Oh, I think I, I think at one point I felt like I knew every one of my listeners personally. <laughs> That must have been a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been very, very fortunate. This podcasting thing has been a wonderful surprise, I think, for, for not just yours truly, but you and, and everyone else. I mean, I, I'm still pretty amazed at how the whole thing's grown. So you're still showing growth then through, through the years? Yeah, we are. And, and I think I'd be, be kind of worried if we weren't because I do think that the uh, number of people finding out about podcasting uh, is still growing all the time. I mean, uh, I don't think... You know, I, I used to think that sometimes we saw plateaus, but just the minute I think things are plateauing, um, you know, you see another surge of growth. And I, I remember when ESPN and some of the major professional outlets first dove into podcasting, I remember thinking, that's fantastic because they'll encourage a whole bunch of other people to try podcasting. And then as soon as you try one, you're a podcast listener. So I feel like more and more of those people are getting their mainstream outlets distributed through podcasting, and that helps all podcasters. Yeah, I wonder. It seems like that, even with the new iOS 8 that just came out, now they've made the podcast app standard. So, like, there's no getting around it. It's like, it seems like and now the cars are coming with them. Like, it really seems like when, you know, in 20 years that you're going to be you won't even, won't even have terrestrial radio anymore. It's all going to be all going to be time on, on demand. On demand, yeah. Well, and I was talking to the guys at iTunes the other day over at Apple, and they are. I, I told them that they did a wonderful thing when they didn't separate amateur content and the professional stuff, but that they threw us all together because it created instant credibility for those of us doing this thing out of our house. I mean. We're in the same lineup and on the same menus and in the same rankings with all the professional outlets. So I really felt like it, it was a great thing they did by, by essentially putting us on an equal playing field. Yeah. I tried to get some of my daily or my lack of news, um, you know, my fix uh, from podcasting. And I, I found a few of the mainstream ones just to get that little five-minute dose about what's going on. and, and uh, But a lot of them actually backed off and stopped having them, which is weird. So I think, like, I don't know, I, I haven't searched lately, but I think CBS was one of the only, like, mainstream short-span short, uh, podcasts out there. A lot of them just rebroadcast their other content using uh, a podcasting as a new delivery vehicle. Right, right, yeah. 
So, um, so speaking of uh, hardcore history and that type of thing, which what is, is, yeah, which is your favorite? Which one do you prefer? Oh, I, <laughs> you know, whichever one I'm currently working on is my least favorite because because <laughs> because they just. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting older or just have less energy. I, I, I find I stress over them more. Maybe it's because more people are listening, but 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 they're all um, you know. Once they're done, I'm real pleased with them. Uh, but but while I'm working on them, I'm always sort of frustrated. <laughs> so so at the moment, I'm working on the common sense one, and I'm frustrated with it. So at the moment, hardcore history is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I listened to your last common sense one, and and actually, it really. Uh... It made a lot of sense to me the way you're talking about focusing on those bigger items. And when you were on that other guy's podcast that, you know, they're talking about all these little, you know, the minutia of this little topic and then that topic. And for you, it all comes back to like two or three of the main problems, you know, the, the corruption, the money and politics and all that. But having said that, you kind of stay away from the, the more conspiratorial spiritual side of things when it comes to politics. Is it, is it becoming harder for you to stay away from that? Uh, no, I, I, to me, you know, uh, and I, I had this conversation once with someone else about uh, about the conspiratorial ideas. I think if you see too many conspiracies everywhere, it devalues the true conspiracies. Does that make sense? Um, because there are conspiracies in history. We're talking about uh, on the on the history podcast, the First World War. The First World War broke out as a result of an absolutely nobody even argues it conspiracy. Um, there was a conspiracy to kill the Austrian Archduke. Um, but if you see too many of those things, it becomes more of a worldview and less of a less of um less of an analysis, I guess, of 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 an actual event. So it's not that I don't see conspiracies, but I think I'm pretty um, I'm pretty skeptical most of the time. But they're certainly out there. Right, right. What about in the in the history? Have you ever come across anything in in your research um, of the wars or or Genghis Khan or anything like that 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 kind of changed your view on what you learned coming up or or caught you off guard or changed maybe your 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 viewpoint? I think it happens every time I I look into any stories. Actually, I I try to stay open minded because uh because I think we're all sort of especially as we get older uh, uh we we're all in danger of sort of. I think freezing in in terms of our views and our perspective and our outlook, and so um, I have a, I have I have little things that I keep around my office to remind me to sort of stay open minded about things and to try to look <laughs> at things from because I do I think it's easy for us especially um, especially if we're not thinking about it to to freeze in the way we see things, and so every time I, I research a new history topic. Uh, not only do I find things that do that, but I think I'm looking for those things. When I'm when I'm making notes to try to figure out how I'm going to structure a story, those are the kind of things I'm specifically trying to pick out of the reading material. So when I find those things, they're like they're little hidden Easter eggs and gems that I'm going to build the show around. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So back to the political thing, how do you how do you sift through all the mainstream bullshit? I mean, like the it's basically you know there's not a lot of journalism left out there on, on at least. Uh, you know, in the in the big, the big media outlets, and and it's like they're just reading press releases from the government, and we all know the you know the government's been lying constantly. So how how do you know what to believe? How do you sift through all the crap? You know, I talk about that a lot, and that's changed over over the course of uh, of my life. When I was younger, and I've said this on my shows before, uh, I used to think it was really important to know 
everything, you know, to really read 20 newspapers a day. And I still do that, but, but I don't find it so important to know every little detail like I used to, because I used to think that that was what was key. And that if anybody brought up one of those little points, you should know about them. As you get older, I think you begin to, to, to factor, and we talked about this in the last conversation, to factor these big stories down to prime numbers, if you will, prime components. And you realize that those little details don't always matter as much as what they factor down to. So um, when I'm reading, and you mentioned it, and it's, I think it's very important, there's not as many outlets doing news anymore. And so we all rely on fewer and fewer actual people on the ground. Uh, once upon a time here in the United States, the three main broadcast news network would have hundreds and hundreds of news bureaus around the world. They've closed a lot of those, and a lot of them now pool their resources. So they'll all be relying on the same guy on the ground in Damascus, maybe, for example. And so instead of getting multi-views, all the news outlets are reporting similar things from similar ground zero sources. And so it has become harder to get anything other than a single perspective sometimes. Um, in terms of, of calling out the BS, well, part of that is outlets. I mean, I think you can look at certain outlets and just know, okay, if I'm reading this particular outlet, be on guard for their particular bias, which tends to be in this particular area. Um, but at other times, I think you become just sort of versed at reading between the lines. And I think that comes with experience. Hmm. Yeah, which is tough for somebody that doesn't have the time to follow mainstream or follow news or, or even, you know, watch a lot of TV. It becomes challenging. Well, and I think so. You know, I, I have a background in news and I, I think you learn little tricks over time and you, and you follow, you know, I remember following the, the older reporters around and they'll teach you all sorts of little it's like it's like following a police officer on the beat and the police officer teaches you all the little tricks of the trade and and look at how this is happening and look at how that's happening and 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 simply how to read a news story between the lines is a is a skill and 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 it takes it takes some time to learn and I think that's something hopefully when we do a decent job which is not all the time uh, on, on the on the common sense podcast Part of what I hope to bring to the table is read some of the news in between the lines a little bit for the listeners who either don't have time or or are maybe twenty years old and in college and just getting into this sort of stuff and 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 hopefully we're we're passing on a little of that experience we got from someone else. Yeah, and you present a pretty balanced view in common sense too. That's one that's the pretty much one of the only reasons I, I listen to it, I don't want to hear a polarized view about about the politics. I want to hear something that's kind of balanced in the middle, and that's why that's why it's pretty much the only only one besides the No Agenda show that I listen to. Well, we don't pretend we're we're unbiased, but I I think we try to be upfront about it, and I think we try to we try to tell you. Um, what, I think we do this in the history show too. We try to tell you what the other views are. And hopefully that helps. I'm not saying it, it, it fixes the problem of bias, but I, I try to be open about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so you must have uh, thought about this a lot, but when you go into your history podcast and you're researching history, and you must think about the lessons that, that we could learn as a society and a culture from, from the past, what are some of the big ones? Well, I, I think we got to be careful, and I say this all the time. And, and historians are, are 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 constantly hammering this point that history doesn't have really specific um, lessons. I mean, like like one of the things you'll hear uh, some some conservatives here in the United States will will often say that you know the the lead up to the Second World War taught us that you can't 
appease dictators, right? That's what you know. You learned about Hitler because, uh, uh, and that teaches you about Saddam Hussein, for example. Mm-hmm. And and that's exactly the kind of stuff that historians say history doesn't teach you because mm-hmm. there's there's too many variables, right? Yeah. Yeah. All that you learned in that situation was that you can't appease Hitler. You didn't learn that you can't you can't appease somebody else and that it won't work. What, but what history does sometimes show, you know, I, I always quote the Mark Twain line that that history doesn't repeat, but it sometimes rhymes. There are certain things you can learn, and one, for example, that I always try to to remember is that once you decide, for example, to go to war, it's very hard to pull back after that decision. So, so once you open up certain doors, it's hard to put the horse back in and close the barn door and 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 return everything to the way it was. So, so those are the kind of lessons I think you can learn from history. The very specific points that sometimes people try to divine from historical um, um, past events. That's the sort of stuff where humans, I think, fall into a trap and, and use them as argument tools most of the time to to shut up the other side. History teaches us A, B, or C when it doesn't do anything of the sort. Yeah, that's a good point. I think one thing history teaches us is that time heals all wounds. What? Uh, it, well, you know, it, it is a little like that because I think once all the people that 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 died in the story have all the relatives that knew them die and all these – I mean, I'll give you a perfect example – I always think about how different, and we've talked about this in some of the history shows, how different the the writings about the Second World War will be 500 years from now. You know, when we see the Second World War the way uh, that we see the Crusades, you know, um, things really change when the passions die down and, and, and the people uh, that knew the people who suffered go away. Um, and that's why historians have always said that you want to get some emotional distance from events before you really start writing the histories of them, because that's when you start to you start to get a little bit, uh, uh, you remove the passion and the emotion from it. Although I would suggest that sometimes you need the passion and emotion too to really understand them. Yeah, you need a little of both. Like you can, uh, you can see already now, you know, almost a hundred years later, you can, you start to hear more, more stuff even about Hitler himself as a man that, you know, 40 years ago, nobody was even, even trying to say. And like you start to hear more from the other side, I guess. And I just wonder where that, you know, in two or three or four or 500 years, how much the, the history will morph, the history books and all, and all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Especially nowadays where we've got social media. I, I always try to think about what people 500 years from now are going to say about the time period we're living in. I think I'd love to take the time machine and and go into the future and read the history books about now. I yeah. think that'd be very intriguing. Yeah, the the transitional We might know, be on the wrong side of that one. We might be. Yes. Oh, and I think, I think you have to be open-minded about that. I think we're on the right side of that. I think that a lot of stuff this is going to be the time when a lot of the stuff uh breaks down like a lot of the infrastructure breaks down and the the information the age helps us kind of open up and for lack of a better term kind of expand our consciousness about what's going on i i could see that go either way to me that's a flip of the coin i yeah, wouldn't so. i wouldn't be surprised uh, how that went dark yeah, the, or light the other side is it turns into wally and we're just all a bunch of fat bastards on a spaceship <laughs> while the robots clean up our planet <laughs> or or george orwell like or something yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah so you need a three-sided coin <laughs> a probability die. Yeah. So, what is the, what are the, what does your global audience think about what's going on in the states right now? Uh, I don't think there's a consensus. Uh, uh, I think I think we're all sort of uh, 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 striving to make sense of what's going on. I think certainly 
the people that listen to my show are less inclined to be very enthusiastic about uh, our government here in the States, which seems to have in many ways broken down. Uh, it, to, to me, it looks a bit like we've, we've really gone into a, a, a sort of an oligarchy uh, kind of situation. And I think a lot of my listeners would probably agree with that. I don't want to speak for them. They're a wide group of people. Um, but but I, I think seemingly the, the country is is – I would love to say it's on autopilot, but it doesn't even look to be on autopilot. Sometimes certain <laughs> things get our leaders' attentions and certain things don't. Um, I do think it's amazing how, you know, you can, you know, for example, a while back, a couple of months ago, the government was making noise about maybe getting involved in the situation in Syria. And there was this giant, almost an internet uh, 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 hue and cry of anger that we were going to when we already have so much war weariness in this country, go do that. And they sort of backed down. And now, lo and behold, by hook or by crook, we're doing it anyway. Yes. So I, I do think that that's, I mean, you want to talk about conspiracies. I'm not a conspiracy person, but it is always interesting that one way or another, we manage to get in there regardless, you know, for a yeah. good cause, as always. Yeah, until you look back 10 years later and you realize the cause was... Not very good, and that's even worse. <laughs> well, I had it's funny. I had I did an interview earlier today with a person um, very very close to the intelligence community, and and they were they were really trying to take me to task about my views on interventionism overseas. And he said, you know, what do you base any of this on? And I just said, well, how about how we're doing so far in the yeah. past thirty or forty years? I said, I said, can you really look at that and call that any kind of a success? And if you decide it's not a success. What do you divine from that, that we just didn't do it enough? I mean, so, so, so when I look at these kind of things, I just go, what's the likelihood of this turning out well? And, and I just, I, I guess I just don't see it. Yeah, but a lot of people made a lot of money. <laughs> well, and you know, listen, let's not discount that because I do think that, that, that the government listens to that. There's a lot of good books. Lawrence Lessig, who's a, who's a law professor at, at Harvard, uh, wrote a great one called Republic Lost where he has these wonderful conversations with American legislators who are, who are not evil people. They just – they literally respond to the money and one of them said – and I'm paraphrasing here – something to the effect of there's nothing wrong with that because it's not discriminatory. Anybody can raise money. And anybody can bring money to the table, and money is a sign of public interest, and that they don't discriminate. Poor people can form PACs and, and, and give money to legislators. Rich people can. People who think global warming is a problem can. People who think global warming is not real can. And in their minds, either they had convinced themselves or that's what they really thought. And when you hear that, you just realize, hmm, maybe I just don't look at things the right way. How about that? How's that for, for a fair analysis of perhaps my own biases? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, haven't they made it? Haven't they even admitted that in the Supreme Court that money is is uh, part of a de democratic uh, process? Like, I, I just don't get that. I, I can't wrap my head around that. Well, I mean, what what I think they've done is taken a logical idea, which is you should be able to support the political causes that you believe in and that that's a, that's a right and I understand that but then they've taken that and expanded that idea out in a way that legitimizes the corruption of the system and so for example we just had a former um, leader of the House of Representatives a guy named Eric Cantor who was on the uh, finance committee so he, he's making laws and regulations that concern Wall Street 
And while he was on the finance committee, of course, he's taking money from all these people, but within the limits that are allowed by the law. And then when he's when he's um, he loses a primary, so he's out of office, and he goes back to private life, and he's instantly hired by the firms that he was essentially representing when he was in government. And because that that payoff for his service is disconnected from the time he was actually serving, mm. that 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 supposedly in the minds of the Supreme Court eliminates the corruption. The corruption literally has to be: I hand you a stack of bills. You change your vote. Anything besides that doesn't meet the corruption standard. But I think we can agree that people are people are voting a certain way because they know afterwards they'll be reward rewarded by the people that they helped. So it's almost we, we've agreed to a wink and a nod here and a very, very low threshold for what constitutes corruption. And I think that's affected this country top to bottom. Is that do you, is it? just the states or is that spilling over into into a global situation in your opinion well i think we'd be foolish to think that money didn't talk uh the the, the world over um you can go look at uh, there are there are several different agencies around the world that produce uh lists of rankings for which countries are the most corrupt and which countries are the least corrupt and I always say that a country can absorb some corruption and function, right? I mean, you'll have, for example, the Scandinavian countries are always the top ranked for the least corruption, but they've got some corruption in their system, just not enough to to visibly affect the way things are. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the bottom of the list and you always have countries like Nigeria, not to pick on Nigeria, or the Congo or something. And those countries, you can't even do anything without bribing somebody. So they're obviously totally falling apart. Now, somewhere between the Scandinavian countries and Nigeria is the tipping point, right? Somewhere in the middle there, you know, you get to the point where you can, you, you're, you're just barely functioning enough and then you drop one more spot in the rankings and, you, and you're not. And the United States has never been a clean country. There aren't totally clean countries. But once upon a time when we had more uh, open resources, more open land, uh, more ability to to absorb corruption, we could live with a Tammany Hall and those kind of things. And at some point, we pass the tipping point and you reach a capsizing moment. So when you say, okay, does Canada fall into that category? I don't know. I'm not an expert on Canada. I would not presume to say. But every country's got that capsizing point, And every country is affected to one degree or another by the power of money. Um, I, I would leave it up to the individuals in that country to say whether the tipping point's been reached or not. Yeah, and it's interesting in the states because they affect so much of what's going on in the world alone, right? I mean, it's a, you know, Scandinavia doesn't really have the same influence uh, globally as as the states does. What's that old line about you know being next to the United States is like sleeping in the same bed with an elephant, and whenever the elephant moves, you feel it. It's a little yeah. like that. I had a I had a Dutch waterbed. Yes, I had a Dutch listener once, and I said, why are you listening to my show? I mean, what's it to you? And he said, truthfully, he goes, the policies the United States decides affects me more than the policies my own government. Right. And I found that uh, remarkably intriguing, and I've tried to remember that when I designed the programs. Especially that drug war. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, totally. And, and you, listen, the U.S. Will, will, will make your drug policies in, in other countries contingent uh, upon a lot of things we do for you, aid and other things. Yeah, yeah. I know. I always point – I always – when I'm talking about the states, I always say we and then have to correct myself and just go they or whatever. But uh, it feels like we're all part of the same same thing. <laughs> so I guess there's no arguing that money is a problem in, in politics. What about – 
in all the you know you've covered so much stuff in your history podcast is uh is money just like a fucking problem all throughout history is that seem to be the the root of most of our evil throughout the ages like what do you think is causes more problems money or religion or is it a kind of weird mix of both oh that's a deep question let me think about that for a minute um you know, money money provides, as you well know, the ability for for people to get what they want. Often, right? So, so if I'm if I'm trying to influence someone's point of view and I'm offering money, I'm offering them sort of a, a free ticket to something they want: that new car, that new boat, that different lifestyle, whatever it might be. Um, so, in that sense, money is almost by default influence. It's always been that. I mean, the old Roman line, I think it was uh, Cicero, the sinews of war are unlimited money. I mean, it's always been uh, important. Um, religion is a mindset. It's an ideology. It's a worldview. It's, uh, it's a way of incorporating your experiences and organizing them. So I think they're fundamentally different entities. Um, you can have a person who's got a worldview, say some of these ascetic uh, Islamic radicals, uh, the Wahhabists maybe, or the Salafists in the Middle East. They could be totally immune to money. You could offer them any amount of money and they won't care. Um, and in the same thing, I think you've got a bunch of people with a ton of money who don't care one whit for your view of religion or any view of religion. So I'm not sure that the two are connected. In terms of motivating forces, um, I, I think they're both extremely important, but to different people mainly. And you combine the two of them, and you have a true, a truly combustible situation. Hmm. The Saudis so, have the Saudis have the religion and the money, <laughs> and but things are going so well there. It depends on who you ask, right? So sticking with the history thing, um, we talk about a lot of crazy shit here on on the show, and um, you know you probably have heard some of it before. But looking back into uh, into war history and wars in history. Um, there's a guy uh, who used to be in the military, Mac Maloney. He came out with a couple books, and one of them is uh, UFOs in Wartime. And he went back and investigated, you know, UFO sightings as they relate to to all the wars. And he he says he saw an increase in in uh, UFO sightings during times of war. So through your all, all your research, did you encounter that? Like I'm talking uh, everything from Alexander and and through his conquest to the Foo Fighters in World War Two. Uh, no, I didn't encounter any of that. Um, I, I, I did read, um, gosh, and I wish I had it nearby on the bookshelf so I could, I could quote the title to you. There was a book that came out a couple of years ago, uh, from, from a very neutral standpoint on UFOs. And I found it really interesting because it's one of the, they had a great chapter at the end, which, which theorized how much, an acknowledgement of the existence of UFOs would change everything on the planet. And they brought religion into it and how much it would destabilize the worldviews of so many people simply to have to acknowledge that there are other civilizations out there and that there, I mean, and, and, and so to me, that was the most interesting part of the book because we can sit there all day long and go over this or that possible sighting and what it might mean. But the idea of, of, of what it would do to worldviews here on Earth if tomorrow the aliens landed on the White House lawn is a fascinating mental sort of, um, sort of uh, thing to play with. Or, or even if it was uh, proven to be some of our own secret technology. I mean, it would be almost the same. 
Well, and that, and that, but that would almost do the opposite thing. I mean, if you said that, that would that would lead a lot of people who might be open to the idea of extraterrestrial life to all of a sudden say, well, maybe there is no extraterrestrial life. Maybe it's just us, and that would have a similar sort of effect in terms of of warping. Because I think I don't know about you, but 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 I, you know, doing the math, doesn't it seem? really hard to believe there's no intelligent life out there besides us i mean you get into the fermi paradox and all that but but if 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 you were to conclusively prove to me today that every ufo sighting that people have had was either fake or something that man had done i i would be both disappointed and i think i would start rearranging some of my mental paradigms you know yeah yeah no i totally agree with it, it is hard to imagine yeah, there's a, there's you know there's a big thing in the in the UFO community about the ETH, the extraterrestrial hypothesis versus uh, whatever else, right? Interdimensional or Matt secret space program stuff, and and I personally I I just think it's it's just a bit of everything. I mean, well, you get into your rever- you get into your reverse technology stuff from crafts, yeah. spacecrafts yeah. that have crashed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So sticking with some of the strange topics, we also talk about like alternate views of history and and uh, and ancient sites and and sort of like that ancient alien type stuff. But even sticking, you know, sticking with the the mainstream view of modern man and the age and how how far back we go, like that is shifting now. So you've you've gone back to like I remember some of your your hardcore history programs about you know the step people and and some fascinating shit about their their the way they fought each other and but I mean what are you gonna go back even further like what about these sites like Gobekli Tepe now who uh, you know there's a couple sites around the world that are that are showing uh, evidence of you know, modern civilization being around ten, twelve thousand years now. Are you? Are you th- have you ever thought about? you know, going back and trying to, to speculate about what happened to that. Like why was Gobekli Tepe covered up, uh, you know, just after the ice age or before the floods or however, however you want to look at that. Sometimes I remember sitting back with, um, with other history majors back in college and, and we theor- you, you try to theorize. And I think it's a pretty common question that people ask about whether or not this is the first time civilization, you know, when you talk about like Mesopotamia and the first cities and all that, is that the first time that civilization rose and fell? You know, could, could you have conceivably had even a, a, a civilization before? Well, see, and I'll tell you why I don't go there. It's the same yeah. reason I don't go with, with, with uh, the aliens have come down and helped build the pyramids and all that, because I feel like it devalues the cleverness of our ancestors. I mean, I remember watching movies. You watch something like Von Daniken's Chariots of the Gods or something. And and so much of, of, of the theories are built on the ideas that, you know, ancient people couldn't possibly have done anything this accurate or this and, – and whatever it might be. And every time I heard that, I, w- I was thinking to myself, well, shoot. You know, I mean, what if they did do that? You're really just devaluing the cleverness of our ancestors. And I had an anthropology professor once that said, listen, what our modern society has that the ancients didn't have is, is you have the accrued, built-up foundational knowledge of many generations before you, right? You're able to read uh, the discoveries of Isaac Newton, build upon that. They might not have had that, but they're every bit as clever as we are. And in many ways, you know, I had another professor, and he was talking about how amazing it was that the ancients could field armies of the size that they did 
without the tools that we have. I mean, we've developed all these tools that if you all of a sudden took them away from us, we wouldn't <laughs> be able to do what our ancestors did. You know, yeah. the ability to logistically feed 30 or 40,000 people in the middle of a desert on a campaign. If you're the Achaemenid Persian army, you know, in ancient Greek times, we couldn't do that today without my, if you took away our modern stuff, those people starve and have no water and die. The Persians did it without any of that stuff. So, I mean, in my sense, I, I, I like to look back on our ancestors and just be amazed at what they achieved. And to me, assuming that there must have been some outside help devalues that a little bit. And, and in a sense, I feel, my own personal view, mars the, the wonderful complexity and astonishment you get from looking back at what our ancestors achieved. Right. But what about uh, sticking with them achieving that themselves? What about uh, how modern man and how old we are now is, is just getting bumped back like further and further back all the time. Right. So now they're, you know, they're, they're uncovering stuff that we built or that, you know, our ancestors built 10, 12,000 years ago. I mean, how, how far back do you want to go in one year history podcasts? Well, here's the problem that I run into is that when you go back too early, I run out of sources to use for the program, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, There'd be complete um, speculation. Right. Well, and, and, and it, that's not a problem, except that we incorporate those into the program to help build, for example, drama. Right. So one of the things we like to have in the show is 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 I want you to feel like, like we did one on the um, collapse of the Bronze Age, which is one of those wonderful what-ifs, because nobody really knows what happened. But you have to have those wonderful um, letters that we do have between the pharaoh of Egypt who's corresponding with the Hittite rulers and whatnot. And you have these wonderful letters in cuneiform that have come down to us where you can literally feel the tension and, and the pressure and the stress and the danger. Without that stuff, it becomes a lot harder for us to, to, to incorporate the dramatic element that we feel is an important thing that people tune in for. So it's it's one of the elements we use. And, and so you go too far back uh, and, and you miss that. Then, then we can have speculation and we can have the Twilight Zone type twists that we like to use. But you miss that 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 human element where someone is literally speaking to you back from those time periods. So that's why I don't generally go earlier than a certain point. Right, I miss right. that. Yeah. What, what's your favorite time of history then? What, 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 what resonates with you the most? Oh, see, I, I go back and forth. I have a lot of the ones I like. I, I'm always fascinated by the ancient time period only because the farther away from our times you get now, the more it almost seems like an alien society. You know, uh, they're yeah. so different and their views are so crazily uh, 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 you know, once the world sort of hooks up with each other, you know, once you get Magellan discovering other parts of the world and Europe and the Americas become linked and all, you begin to almost get a homogenization beginning of, of, of you know, the sharing of not just fruits and vegetables and, and tobacco and all, and, but ideas and viewpoints. And, and all of a sudden, some of the wonderful diversity, I guess you would call it, of, of, of humankind that, that was allowed to foster and grow in isolation begins to be diminished somewhat. And when you go back to ancient times, you don't have that. You have these wonderfully, wickedly weird societies that don't even know how wickedly weird they are because they're not in touch with other ones. And it just that's when it's 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 the most perverse and there's a wonderful uh, attraction of that to me, but but I like the period I'm doing now with the First World War as well. I, I love. There's there's only a few periods I don't like to be honest. I'm not a big Renaissance fan. I'm, right. 
Uh, I used to I used to say I, I'm not a big fan of the pilgrims. I mean, so there's there's only a few periods I don't like, but the right, ancients right. are fun because they're just they're so perverse, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, personal question. Well, go ahead, Darren. All it takes is uh, one rock from space, and we'll be right back there. It's <laughs> yeah. funny, I was, That's I, possible. Yeah. I forget what I was watching the other day or listening to, but they were talking about they were showing the. We're talking about the globe at night and how you can see all the lit up spots and everything like that. And it's like, if, if shit hits the fan, it's the dark spots that are going to be, you know, building back up. And then a few people will wander off again and make some, but the, some people just stay back and just kick it in the jungle or wherever. And those are the fuckers that'll get through. <laughs> I remember sitting down once, I must've been my early twenties and thinking I was going to write a fictional book, which almost never appeals to me. I mean, I never think like that. And I sat down and I think I kind of based it on something like that, you know, a post-apocalyptic starting over and the first few generations of what it's like with people born remembering what an iPhone's like and, and having to start from scratch again. There's something attractive about that, about, about everything in your life having meaning, like if, if you having to focus on you know, the, the need to survive, like that's just, it's all about, uh, you know, finding your, your way. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I have a name for that. I have a name for that. I, my mother's that way. And she's, um, I call it the chicken little gene and, <laughs> and to have the chicken little gene, you, you can't just believe I have a recessive version of it. I must've gotten it for, but you can't just believe that something terrible is going to happen. You have to believe that the something terrible that's going to happen is it, is, is it important and necessary step towards a redemptive afterlife? I mean, like my mother uh, in the 1970s, there was a book that came out called the earthquake generation. So for about 10 years, she was totally into this. There's going to be these horrible earthquakes, but it's going to be great because afterwards it's going to bring us all together. And that's how evil will be banished and everything will be good. And we'll have to work together and be brothers. And, you know, so the chicken little gene is not just that something terrible is going to happen, but that the something terrible is the necessary step to a better world. And so, yeah, yeah the chicken little gene, I, I must have a little piece of it somewhere. Have you ever, have you ever thought about, uh, have you ever had your past life? Uh, have you ever been regressed to try and figure out if you have past lives? Is that something you would even entertain as a, as an option? I don't know. My mother always thought I must have had something like that because I was I was <laughs> born I was born loving history. I mean, literally from the cradle. From I mean, and and, and there's no explanation for it. There really yeah. isn't. And so she said there there must be something going on with you. <laughs> But as you can tell, my mother is very open to those guys. Kind of, I, she's she's an actress, and and she just she's a. Uh, my father always thought she was a little bit. He said your mother's very woo woo is the way he described it. But but she but she always thought that there was something going on there. As far as I don't think. I mean, I'm always open to those kind of things, but I'm such a, a believer in charlatans and all that too that I think those two ideas kind of uh, conflict with each other. I'm open to the past life thing, but I don't think I think anyone was qualified to tell me about it. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I like. I mean, the woo woo. Uh, there's more and more evidence <laughs> evidence being uncovered woo -woo. for the woo woo every day. So that's going to uh... be a political party now. Watch, there'll be a <laughs> podcast that starts up with that title. Yeah. The woo-woos? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we could start that. We had one of these states called the Know Nothing Party once upon a time, so you never know. Yeah, that's good. That's very humble. The Know Nothing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really it frees you up in the political debates, doesn't it? Yeah, but you don't want to go that far down. <laughs> like, you you got to pick a middle of the pack. There's no something. 
Like it'd be know cool. The know something party. I, I think. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting if it was like you know campaign. The most you could get for your campaign is you get a million bucks or, or two million bucks. I, I tell you what, I'd be. I would. I think I would donate to a political candidate that got up there at the presidential debates and had the confidence to answer a question by saying, "I don't know." I mean, at this at this point, I think I would trust somebody who had the guts to say that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah not many Illuminati people. Not, not many happen. people would. <laughs> so, Dan, is there anything else you want to mention before? I know we're you're pressed for time there. We should probably start wrapping it up here. Um, uh, anything else you, you, our listeners would uh, like to hear from you? I don't know. Why don't you? Uh, yeah, I'm better at answering the questions. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever heard me do an interview, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just want to point them in the direction of your. When's the uh, next World War One? Oh, man. oh is, it, is there is there multiple parts to the world war one I, I think we're on part five oh. i'll tell you what and you guys can relate to this i'll tell you what really sucks is that like like two years ago my family planned a, a vacation right and just we really need it we're going to get away really just forget about all of the stress of work and everything and just sort of by hook or by crook it's now going to happen right when the pod next history podcast isn't out but is overdue, oh. and so I'm and so I'm going to be sitting there on a vacation, just stressing out like crazy. I think sometime in November is probably the way uh, is the best assumption I have on this. This World War One thing is so hard because there's so much written material. You know, if you go back and you do like an Alexander the Great podcast. You're you're not reading as much. This 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 first world war is not just so much written about it, but from from so many different countries because so many people were involved in it that you need to be reading French sources and German sources and all this stuff. And it is so hard. I mean, I'm probably by the time we're done with five or six of these episodes, going to have read you know 130, 150 books, and 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 that's in you know a year. Wow. wow. And, yeah. and 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 it's it's right now it's pretty intense. I don't know what idiot part of me thought talking about the First World War was going to be a good <laughs> a good idea, but I get myself into these messes. All we just jump off the cliff and we have no idea where the bottom is. So probably sometime in November is the best guess. And uh, then do you have plans after that? What's uh, what's next after World War One? I tell you, I'm like one of those fighters uh, in boxing where if you've had this really tough fight against Joe Frazier or George Foreman or Muhammad Ali, you want to take a tomato can opponent next and sort of rest. I'm going to probably do one of these ones we call a blitz edition where we focus on – like um, a blitz edition is instead of one of these, um, these, these actual historical events, we'll focus on some weird topic. Like we did one on the, the hidden influence – of intoxicants on history. Oh, I love right? that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love okay, that, that, that that's a Blitz edition, or the one where we talked about uh, old school toughness and whether previous generations were tougher than us. I think we yeah, asked yeah, the question, yeah. could you beat your grandparents <laughs> yeah, yeah. in a war? Yeah. And I had a great email back from a guy. He says, you're darn right I could. He's 85. I'd kick his ass. But, but, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, the, the, so I think we'll probably do like a Blitz edition next, and then it's going to really force me to sit down and think, all right, what am I emotionally ready to sit down and commit myself? too for a while yeah yeah well no that's good to hear you put that much effort into it and and you know your your hardcore history is really a way to learn about what what's happened in the past in a really fun way and and uh, it's it's just fascinating i love it well, and you know what? Just so you know, because for the audience members who haven't haven't maybe heard it, we simply take the stuff we find interesting and try to create a framework where we can transmit that stuff to you. And I think when people say they like it, it's it's not because we're teaching you a, a, about some historical event 
although I hope we are, it's because we've got this weird stuff that we want to, you know, when, with the first episode we did, we didn't think we were talking to people that didn't know the story already. We assumed that the audience would be made up of people who already knew the whole story, so we could just talk about the weird, fun stuff. And over time, we realized, okay, well, we got to give more background for people who don't know so that they can appreciate the weird, fun stuff. And so hopefully what people like is that we're throwing all this fun, weird, you know, I call them the Easter eggs or these gems we look for in the story. Hopefully that's the part that just turns you on and keeps you listening through the stuff that's more classroom-like. Right, right. Yeah, very good. Uh, have you had any any interest from any schools or anything like that? Like I, I know – if I was a teacher, I'd be all over, especially especially maybe some of the war episodes or something like that. Uh, have you ever been approached at any teachers using it for a curriculum or anything like that? Actually, a lot of them do, and it's it's very flattering because, as you guys probably know, and I say in the show all the time, I am not a historian. Uh, I have a degree in history, but a historian's got to have quite a bit more schooling than I have. So it's always a kick in the pants when either somebody who pretty much is a historian or a history teacher thinks that the material is worthy of exposing their students to. So it's always very flattering. I hope we're not leading them astray, but I figure we try to we try to tie the work pretty closely to what historians say. So so hopefully we're not leading students astray. But yeah, especially like middle school teachers and high school teachers, we 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 know they're using the material because they're kind enough to ask, and we always say absolutely. I love the idea of getting more people interested in the subject. At least it's better than Common Core. <laughs> I got to agree with you there. <laughs> Jeez, we didn't even get into that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my kids are hating that. Oh boy. Yeah, we don't. Uh, we don't have that yet in Canada. I can't help them with their homework. That well, I mean, not that I. Not that I'm promising I could have helped them with their homework anyway. Uh, but I just I, don't oh. get it. It's like, oh no, you don't add nine and five. They like their buddy ten, so you got to sneak ten in there somehow. It's adding like, nine fuck? and we five would have been number. hard enough. Forget the Common Core. I was going to have a hard enough time with the old math. It's like you know, you want to talk a cons- about a conspiracy? Why do they have to change it every like three or four generations? It's, it's like it's like every generation they have to change it just so the parents can't help anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's tough. Something like you know, more, you know, these major corporations—they need employees, so they—and now they're the big supporters. So you know, maybe Google bought a bunch of new textbooks. That's gonna make some good, real good fucking coders or. Well, you worse. know what? What's what gets me is the questions that they ask within those curriculums, like the political-based questions and stuff like that. It's crazy. I don't know about that. Maybe my yeah. kids aren't old enough yet. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, so I get to be – maybe that's a common sense show in the future. So that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, I don't know. I look forward to a history blitz on uh, on Gobekli Tepe one day. <laughs> well, you know, maybe something uh, – uh, uh, you know, I, 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 there's a history before history. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that might be if I could manage that. There's a, yeah. there's a great book called um, – uh, a war before civilization that I thought was really interesting on those subjects, talking about the fact that DNA testing is now opening up uh, the study of history. You know, it used to be that history begins with writing, and everything before that is archaeology. Uh, yes. But now, but now DNA is allowing history to delve farther back into time. And I'm, as a non-DNA expert, fascinated by what they're able to divine from the DNA. Yeah, just our 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 history is changing. Our our uh... 
you know, where we came from, the Denisovians and the Neanderthals and all this new information. I mean, from when we were in school, it's all oh, they can find out what they can find out when language began. I mean, I don't even know how they do that, but but it's it's crazy. So so I'm looking forward and hoping to live long enough to to allow 20 or 30 years to go by and really figure out what 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 the scientists today and the historians uh, are able to tell us. I, I love where the where the where stuff is going. So okay, so then one last question before we go: What do you think? Um, I wonder in all in all, in all your research of history, do you think that our, our our smarts and our cleverness and our technology, do you think that in the end is a good thing, or do you give any credence to some of these these different authors and researchers that say to a certain extent we might have been better off, you know, ten thousand years ago when we were more hunter gathery and we kind of had, you know, our kids were kind of raised by tribes instead of um, just mom and dad and there was a little more community like do you think do you give any credence to that or do you think it's balls to the wall i think there's two answers to that the first one is is that there's a book that james burke the wonderful science historian who did the connections series and the day the universe changed and stuff for the bbc he wrote a book with another guy called the axe maker's gift uh and and to sum it up basically they talk about how human beings are almost uh, uh, built to create new and better tools all the time, but that those tools might be like the tragic flaw in our in in, in our makeup that ends up you know destroying the the, the entire race at some point. Um, that that's one side maybe you could look at, but when you start talking about you know the values of going back to the way things used to be in tribal societies or or the old days. Put me in the category of people that thinks you're, that's a nasty, brutish, short, disease-filled, uh, dirty kind of existence that at least – I mean I see I see too many negatives to that overwhelm all the positives. I mean I guess you'd have to say, would you want to live there? Would you want your kids to live there? And boy, I think it becomes a hard case to make at that point. Hmm. I might doom other people to it. I just don't want to go there. <laughs> I guess maybe, I guess, I wonder, I'd be curious to know how much someone's answer would change in 20 years or Well, and let's, years. Re let's remember, what you're basically saying is you're going to live to be 20 years old or you're going to live to be 30 years old. I mean, whenever I hear people try to make us healthier or tell us to stop smoking or get skinny or whatever because we're going to die early, I think, do you know how far ahead of the game we are already? <laughs> I mean, we live twice as long as people used to. Infant mortality is nothing like it used to be. I mean, uh, and you know, I've always been fascinated, not to keep you guys longer, but um, my favorite part of, of the book Dracula by Bram Stoker is has nothing to do with the the vampire powers or anything. It's the fact that that vampire character in the book has lived so long. He's been able to read so many books. He's been able to accrue so many lifetimes worth of knowledge and wisdom that that that's what's fascinating. And so when you realize if you add up all the extra years that human beings get now in the modern world mm. and all the extra knowledge we can accrue, mm. how much more overall global um, learning and intelligence yeah. Yeah, do we have? I mean, it's that, and of course, there's no way to quantify it or measure it or know. But it's fascinating to think about all the untapped potential out there. That that, and, and James Burke, when I interviewed him, had pointed out that not just that, but very few people had any influence on anything in the old days. Most people were stuck on the farm pulling a plow. The only people writing and having any impact at all were the tiniest, tiniest percentage of extra mouths to feed. So, in that sense, I mean, the added brain power and impact of humankind 
through many more years of existence is just overwhelming to think about. It blows my mind. And it doesn't hurt having everything at your fingertips now. You can know anything in fucking 10 seconds. Yeah, and podcasts, crazy. right? Don't leave yeah, podcasts yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. Well, pretty soon I'll just be able to broadcast my podcast right into people's heads. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think I think when we get to that era, it's going to be very interesting. Just to be like the Matrix. You might have to clean up your language first, Aaron. There you go. And, and they're going to have to invent some sort of condom to put on the connection port. <laughs> I'll just to make sure that the viruses don't get transmitted. I'll just get a bleep plug-in. Yeah, like, a bleep plug-in. goes and you just download it into your shit, and then whenever I swear, it goes beep. That's a good idea. We should invent that for patent pending. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. We look forward to your next uh, Common Sense podcast as well. You know, and, and, and hi to your audience, and thanks for listening. That was our chat with Dan Carlin, Mr. Hardcore History himself. So how'd yeah. you like that one? You were a little—I know you were a little starstruck going into it. Oh come seemed, on, buddy! Seemed to wear off pretty quick. I remember you were a little nervous for that one, but yeah, I mean, when you're wear off pretty quick. When you've kind of when you've been listening to a guy for years and then you get a chance to really chat with him, it's it's a bit unnerving, I think. You know, especially because we we talk about a lot of strange stuff on here, and I remember talking to Dan a long time ago via email. About I think it was when Leslie Kane's book came out on UFOs or something like that, and and he was seriously considering broaching the subject, and uh, he didn't. So, and I understand why. But you know, it's it's one of those things like he stays pretty uh, grounded, and he doesn't like even though he he talks about government corruption a lot and all that, he stays pretty grounded, right? So just talking to, to him about some of the stuff to see if if he's uh you know seen any of this in his you know historical research or anything like that it's it's interesting but. yeah fuck yeah i was no it was a good one i i like i'm a huge hardcore history fan and i just started listening to it really a few months ago and so i probably wasn't as as nervous as you but it was still a good one i mean he's a pro at the craft right it's funny you always get those that, that little bit of podcast and talk to whenever you talk to a podcast there's always a few minutes of podcasting banter yeah it's like well, a club yeah well it's so it's still so new right and it's still uh when i hear the guys on no agenda talk about it it really makes me realize that this is the new the new media right i was looking at some cnn numbers the other day and they're only getting a couple hundred thousand viewers for their prime programs right so some of these podcasts are doing really good like dan's dan carlin common sense and the no agenda show um, they're reaching, they're far, they're reaching farther than uh, mainstream TV, right? I think. 
Oh yeah, and you'll see more and more of so that. So what you know, I mean, people are just getting as television fed up becomes with the crap. more on oh. demand. There's like no room for that. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there's no room. How long is it before there's not going to be a cable channel for you to get hung up on CNN flipping through their channels anymore? Right? Like, how much of their audience is accounted for by channel flippers stopping? You know, like who turns on the thing to watch CNN? Fucking round the clock news. Who gives a shit? You ever? <laughs> well. A lot of people, average age, 70 to 72. They don't need to know what the fuck's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's bad. No, but uh, you're right. I think that um, people will start doing it on demand, right? They're not going to be channel surfing as much, right? They're just... Actually, I think even some of these stations are streaming more than they're getting on their normal cable nowadays. Yeah, almost every radio show offers a podcast now instead, right? Well, I don't know about that. There there was some news organizations I used to try and get their podcasts, and they stopped doing them for one reason or another. So I don't know if the radio is all going to podcast or if the TV is sort of going more towards streaming. I would say that's probably more. I wonder if you'll need a license to podcast one day, and if so, if we'd get grandfathered in. I hope so. But yes, the answer is yes, they will need a podcast license. Look, people have already been taken off of iTunes, right? One of our sort of like... Red Ice. Red Ice Radio is taken off of iTunes, so... I mean, I think he's got enough of a following that he doesn't need iTunes, but I mean, that would suck for us if we got booted off iTunes. Yeah, we couldn't handle a blow like that at this stage. no. That being said, tell your friends about Grand America. Yeah, spread the word. We know how difficult it is to get people into podcasting because some people just don't get it. Some people, once they get in there, they get hooked. Yep. And we don't advertise, so really the only other way people are going to find out about the show and grow the show is uh, by either fucking dumb luck and stumbling upon us on Google or by uh, or find, YouTube, yeah, or which YouTube, is what you yeah, mean. Or yeah. finding yeah. out about us from uh, people like you. Yeah. And of course, uh, in that same vein, review the show wherever you can. Uh, Grandamerica.ca slash iTunes will take you right there. And most of your smartphones and everything take you right to the page where you can review us. And it uh, takes two seconds. Boom, boom. Five stars. Away you go. Yeah, thanks. And uh, always love the feedback and the synchronicities and whatever else you want to talk about, your own stories, whatever, we'll, we're open to it. You yeah. can spam Graham at G-R-A-H-A-M. At grindamerica.com. Yeah, subscribe, support the show, uh, help us with our value for value model over at grindamerica.ca slash moneybomb. Uh, get the Grindamerica newsletter oh, yeah, right. and be uh, you'll be kind of up to date with uh, who's coming up next. You'll get uh, a copy of all the UFO quotes, who's coming up, uh, who we just had, kind of a little bit of info on Everything going on in the world of Grimerica, all the blogs, all that fun stuff. Uh, that's grimerica.ca slash news. And leave a voicemail. Leave a voicemail. Uh, there's no link, I don't think, for that. But if you just go to the Grimerica homepage, you'll see right on the right side there, uh, leave a voicemail. And, um, yeah, that's really all there is to it. Thanks a lot. Is there another link I'm missing? Follow us on Twitter at Grimerica. And like the Facebook page. Let's do a little push for the Facebook uh, this week, it still like pales in comparison to Twitter and everything else. So, yeah. uh, go hit the like button on the Facebook page. 
Yeah, and thanks a lot to Dan Carlin and uh, everybody for listening. In May of 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. All that was sent was very bold. They sent three things, God, glory, and gold. The English came, 167, that's true. But the colonists, they had no clue. They learned independence from one John Smith. And the House of Burgesses settled all tips. Fuck!